All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America. It's Friday. We made it through another week. <laughs> Maybe better than Joe Biden made it through. He has had one heck of a tough week in uh, Washington. Loss after loss after loss. Rejection after rejection. Kristen Cinema one day. Nancy Pelosi the next day. Joe Manchin. Dick Durbin. The president is being rejected not only by Republicans, but by his own party. And if that isn't enough, he's losing in the courts. He's losing in the economy where the economic numbers continue to get worse today. Retail shopping went down 1.9% in December, a month it's supposed to go up when it's Christmas season, uh, a sign that Omicron inflation supply chain took a bite out of what normally would be a joyous shopping season. So Joe Biden has had a hard week, but today we're going to dive into one of the elements of his hard week, the historic ruling yesterday by the United States Supreme Court to reject a vaccine mandate for all private companies with more than 100 employees. We've got not one, but two amazing guests today who are going to bring us inside that ruling because they were essential to it. They were players in it. They actually helped drive the decision. So joining me today, first up, lawyer Robert Henneke. He's with the Texas Policy Foundation. Texas Public Policy Foundation was one of the key lawyers in that ruling today. He's going to bring us inside. All right, a battle has been won, but the war is not over, over where the government's authority on forcing you to do something to your body begins and ends. But we're going to ask him about that and walk us through it. And then my good friend, Alfredo Ortiz, the president and CEO of Job Creators Network, one of the lead plaintiffs in that historic case. He's going to join us to talk about what this ruling meant for small business, for Main Street America, and where all these economic indicators, whether it's the 1.9% reduction in sales, the 9.7% increase, historic-like increase, 40-year high increase in producer price index, one of the big inflation measures in America, all of the signs are that this economy is hurtling towards some uncertain, painful times, higher inflation, probably higher interest rates pretty soon. We're going to ask Alfredo, what does that mean for employment, for job creation, 
for supply side, the supply chain, and so many other things. So two amazing guests. We're going to have a lot of fun with that conversations today. But before we get there, before we get that far into the day, I want to talk to you about uh, important ruling because it's actually part of a larger trend. Yes, we are now 14 to 15 months after the November 2020 election. And some of my colleagues in my profession of journalism are saying, there was nothing wrong. It's all a fraud. There was never any problems in the election. And as you know, because you read just the news and you listen to this podcast, there have been lots of irregularities. I now identified in the battleground states that decided the election. We're talking about Arizona, 50,000 ballots now in question half dozen people charged with illegally harvesting ballots. Wisconsin, where previously the Supreme Court ruled as many as a quarter million people illegally were allowed to skip voter ID for their absentee ballot because they were allowed to declare themselves permanently invalid at home, permanently confined at home, just because they were afraid to go out in COVID. The Supreme Court said that was not a lawful reason under the law. The legislature didn't change it to fear of COVID, And most of those people most likely voted unlawfully. Certainly tens of thousands of them did. And then we go to Georgia, where we have had all the great revelations that Just the News and I have broken on what was going on in Fulton County, the 29-page memo laying out all sorts of election irregularities that did go on, that are confirmed, that are not in doubt. And then, of course, two weeks ago on this show, Brad Rassenberger, the Secretary of State for Georgia, announced he's opened a investigation into credible allegations that illegal ballot harvesting occurred in the state. Those are big, big, big moments. And you'd say, well, that's enough, right? Well, we've got a lot of new things that we've learned. Well, guess what? This morning, today, Friday, a major ruling has dropped in Wisconsin. A new ruling. A judge in Waukesha County, yes, the same county that had that horrific Christmas massacre at the holiday parade. A judge in Waukesha County, a state judge, has ruled that the Wisconsin Election Commission had no legal right to distribute absentee ballot drop boxes across the state during the 2020 election. The way that Democrats won, right? They went out and get absentee ballots, got them delivered into these many absentee ballot drop boxes. It turns out there was no legal authority for those and more consequentially listen there's nothing we can do right now to go back and change the election there's no lawyer who thinks that it can be reversed but we can learn from it we can figure out that maybe the outcome wasn't as fair maybe there was cheating unlawful legal changes law changes but this ruling which i'm sure will go all the way to the supreme court of wisconsin now gets rid of potentially ballot boxes in the 2022 election it could have a profound effect on the 2022 election in Wisconsin. Major ruling, my good friend and colleague, Sophie Mann, broke the story this morning. Check it out on our website. It has enormous impact in one of the most important battleground states. In fact, a state where Ron Johnson, Republican senator, somebody comes on this show frequently, is up for re-election. That's one of the marquee Senate races for control of the U.S. Senate that people will be watching. Take a look at that very important ruling today, some of the most important stuff that has occurred in the election law front in the last few months of the year. Also, we had an important story today about vaccines. And by the way, I want to say up front, I got all my vaccines. I'm even boosted. My doctor and I decided that was a good thing for me. My family decided it was a good thing for us. But it is a personal decision. 
I believe. Well, the man who dumped $1.75 billion into developing the COVID vaccines, Bill Gates, the Microsoft founder, the head of the, the Bill Gates Foundation, the Gates Foundation. Bill Gates says, you know what? I'm not that impressed with these vaccines. They didn't live up to what I thought they were going to do. They were too short in lasting protection. Their duration appears to be limited. There's problems with supplies that made it impossible to get it to poorer countries. He wasn't a big fan. He wasn't a big fan. And he said this in a conversation with Devi Saradar, the chair of the Global Public Health at the Edinburgh University Medical School, very respected public health expert. And here's what he said. We need vaccines that prevent reinfection and have many years of duration. We don't have them. That's pretty important. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but the only slightly reduced transmission. That is Bill Gates, one of the great champions of vaccination programs all across the world. It's about time someone spoke up and told the truth about these vaccines. Yes, they've provided short-term protection, and that means maybe you get less sick. That's a good thing. Maybe you didn't get to the hospital when others would have who were unvaccinated. But they're not the long-term panacea that they were originally boosted to be. And you now see concerns by some of the most important voices in the vaccine world saying, hey, you know what? They didn't work that well. He put $1.75 billion into this. He's got a say in this. A very, very important story that occurred. You don't see this in the mainstream media. They didn't cover it, but we did. And we wanted everyone to see what that looks like and how that, if you want to check and read deeper into Bill Gates' comments and their consequences. Go check it out. COVID vaccines funder Bill Gates, not impressed with their performance, predicts yearly shots by my good colleague, Greg Piper, who we had on the show earlier this week. One last thought about this. What Bill Gates said yesterday is exactly what the former New York Times reporter, Alex Berenson, said a year ago, and he got kicked off Twitter permanently. He got kicked off Twitter permanently for saying what Bill Gates did. Will Bill Gates get kicked off? I don't know. Or maybe Twitter has realized that most of its claims of they used to banish people have turned out to be right. That these early foreboding signs, these town criers about the limitations, the vaccines have had a good effect, just not what they were billed to be. Maybe that was the truth after all. What a moment that would be if Twitter realized that was the case. All right, folks, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to go a deep dive on the historic Supreme Court ruling yesterday on vaccine mandates. We've got two amazing guests right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens 
can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, Thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As I promised, a very special guest, the man behind the epic ruling yesterday at the Wisconsin Supreme Court, one of the most important lawyers in that case. Joining us right now, Rob Henneke. He's the executive director and general counsel at the Texas Public Policy Foundation and led that litigation that led to that very important set of rulings, although some people confused by them, important rulings on the Biden vaccine mandates. Rob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, John. It's terrific to be with you. And boy, what a uh, you know monumentous decision yesterday that really pulled back from the brink uh, the uh, disaster that was about to be caused by the Biden administration's employer vax mandate. Uh, a huge win, but uh, we were right there on the the edge of the precipice. I felt. Yeah, it was. It's dramatic. It was like a countdown. It was almost like a launch, a NASA launch. Is it going to launch? Is it not going to launch? Um, there, I, want, I hope you could walk us through for those laymen that, like myself on the air. So this is a, rule, a ruling that's a major victory on the small business side and the business side because of the fact that uh, it uh, gives a, a stay. But the underlying constitutional issues haven't yet been resolved. Talk through how this is a victory, but there's still a lot more work to be done on deciding the law on this front. 
Sure. In some ways, yesterday uh, was a win of a major battle, but still leaves the war to be fought. Um, what the Supreme Court did yesterday was that it looked at the text of the statute uh, under the uh, OSHA agency, the uh, Occupational Safety uh, Health Agency, that the Biden administration claimed gave them the authority to mandate that all private employers with at least 100 employees had to require their employees to be vaccinated. That was going to you know, affect over 80 million Americans. And the court looked at that statute and said, no, that statute deals with occupational workplace uh, safety issues. Uh, COVID-19 does not fall within that. So the statute that you're pointing to as your authority does not give you that authority. And so therefore, this mandate is illegal. That's great, but it doesn't resolve the broader constitutional questions about whether the executive branch or the federal government at all has the lawful power under the Constitution to compel individuals to take on a medical treatment, a, have to receive a vaccine that they do not want to take. And those were the, the constitutional questions that we initially litigated in our lawsuits uh, challenging the vaccine mandate that was successful at the Fifth Circuit with the immediate emergency stay that was won the day after the vaccine mandate went into effect. Uh, the, court, the Fifth Circuit jumped in right away and agreed with our constitutional arguments that those uh, had a likelihood of success on the merits. So now by the time the case has gotten all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Supreme Court elected to only consider the textual statutory arguments. And now while it got to the right outcome for declaring the private employer vax mandate unlawful, it kind of misses the forest for the trees because it leaves these these broader questions of federal power unresolved. Yeah, it really is. Now, does one take a hint where the court might be, at least in the private sector, regular private business sector, because in order to give a stay, you have to basically say that the government's chances of prevailing are not very strong, right? Uh, is there some hint that if this gets to the full constitutional debate where the where this court may lie based on the stay, or is that too too dangerous to read that into the uh, into yesterday's ruling? I read this as a, a majority of the court saying we don't want to touch that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that you can see if you look at the whole context of some of these other you know vaccine mandate cases. Look, personally, and and as a a constitutional litigator and scholar. I believe that the very concept uh, is unconstitutional, and it doesn't matter what branch of government or what level of government, state, local, federal, you cannot compel people to do, to perform medical things on themselves right. uh, without their, their acceptance. But you've seen the Supreme Court not necessarily agree with that. And there's been several instances where you've had a state-level vaccine mandate, right. such as in Maine, New York, Indiana. And they've let it stand. Exactly. So that it tells me that a majority of the court is OK with a government vaccine mandate at some level, but just maybe not at the federal level or maybe not in this way with the federal government. That's concerning to me and certainly leaves these bigger issues unresolved and, and left for us to continue to 
to fight and, and fight again. Yeah. Now, there are two justices that ended up being on the winning side of both rulings, which is interesting because one ruling is anti-mandate and one ruling affirms a mandate. So uh, obviously the conclusion was the CMS could go ahead with its healthcare, uh, mandate, healthcare worker vaccine mandate while OSHA could not. And the only two that were on both sides of that, which seemed contradictory, were John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh. What do you see in those two justices uh, affirming one mandate and denying another? You know, I see that, you know, those are the two swing justices that conceptually are, don't have an issue with a government-compelled vaccine mandate. I mean, the difference kind of conceptually between the private employer vaccine mandate versus the healthcare mandate was the healthcare one was tied to the spending clause for healthcare right. providers that participate in Medicaid or Medicare, which is basically everything in healthcare. It sure is. And so the administration in that instance pointed to, again, kind of a vague, ambiguous part of the statute under the Medicaid, Medicare statutes that gave the secretary the, the power to adopt rules to address public health in implementing Medicaid and Medicare. And that was sufficient for Roberts and Kavanaugh to go join with the three liberal justices in upholding that, you know, that tied to kind of the conditions that government can spend or can set in the spending of government funds. That goes too far. And, you know, again, gives too much power to the federal government tied to spending if it's if you can say that they can do anything as long as it's tied to a federal dollar. So, you know, again, they're focus on the statute and the avoidance of the greater constitutional questions kind of tells you where Roberts and Kavanaugh are going to be in terms of the swing votes on this issue uh, and other pandemic-related federal mandates that may be coming in the future. Now, you've said uh, in your Twitter and other things in the last 24 hours, you're a little concerned about the health mandate sort of creating a continuing disaster. What makes you concerned? All right, so we know business is safe for the time being, uh, everyday businesses, but healthcare institutions that are Medicaid or Medicare funded, uh, they must comply with the mandate. What do you see the downstream impact of that ruling having? Well, let's first of all recognize when we're talking healthcare, we're talking more than just hospitals. Right. We're talking every doctor office. We're talking every nursing home. We're talking every assisted living facility. Um, nearly everything in the private sector that touches medicine is going to be affected by this. And at this stage, two years into this, this COVID you know, pandemic, if you haven't taken the vaccine, then you've done so by choice. And for whatever the choice is, it's a valid choice to you because it's your personal decision. But we know that there is a certain percentage of individuals that I have no criticism of that have elected to not be vaccinated. And that, you know, that includes healthcare workers who have really been at the forefront of seeing what the COVID looks like. I mean, talk about the most informed people that are out there. But even if it's 10 or 15 percent of the workforce in healthcare, you're talking about eliminating that workforce, terminating all of those people here in just the next couple of weeks. 
you already have staffing problems and staffing shortages and, you know, winter months when there's an increase in illnesses, you know, that's creating a challenge. I think that this will create a huge problem, especially in the rural parts of America or some like nursing homes, even be able to be fully staffed. You know, what are you you going to say? Like, I'm sorry, you know, everybody's going to leave. You guys are on your own till the next day. Um, but that's going to really put some of these healthcare providers in a pinch, which is going to create a shortage of being able to access care. I'm afraid it's going to lead, you know, to people dying. Yeah, that's it. Listen, I have a couple of nurses in my family, one who works in a nursing room, one works in a, an emergency room, and they have had significant shortages. Sometimes they're, they're being asked to work 16, 18, 19, 20 hour days because there's so few people uh, in the, with, with the mandate now having some impact. The um, When you look back now, one could interpret the where the court is, which is that if there is no federal spending uh, connection uh, to the agency imposing it, you, you have a say over your body. But the second, federal spending uh, is involved in the agency's ability to influence, then you're right as a human, you're right to de- uh, make a medical uh, decision for yourself or for you and your doctor to make a decision is trumped by the federal spending. Is that a kind of a fair way to look at how the court kind of came down in these two, two, two merged rulings? It is. And I, I think that, it, that it's too much of a you know, uh, clinical way of looking at that. I I think it it misses, one, the reality that, you know, so the federal government is so involved in, for example, healthcare spending and so many other federal programs that just to say, you know, well, don't be part of the program, you know, is not a realistic option at this point. And it also, you know, when you look at the coercive aspect of, all of this funding being triggered to these conditions, there has to be a limit to where that would cross the line and for where there would be, you know, unconstitutional conditions that the government, you know, could set in connection with spending. I think forcing people to undergo, you know, medical treatment uh, is way past the line. Uh, But that's the concern about just saying, you know, federal dollars means the federal government can require anything. Uh, when you look at the current state of policy and, and the funding and, unfortunately, how large the administrative state is, that's just not a realistic position to take. Yeah, that's going to be a real challenge. Now, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has done great work through the years, not only on policy, but also in cases like this. These issues obviously need to be taken to the next level and resolved. Does the government have a right to tell you what you can do with your body, what shots you can take or not take? Where do you and others who've worked on this case go next? What is the next steps in this legal process to resolve that bigger question that still lingers out there? Well, you're right. And I mean, you know, history is ripe with with terrible examples of what happens when you have forced government, you know, medical procedures on citizens. And and it's a chilling, you know, uh, slippery slope that we seem to be on. You know, this the, the private employer vaccine mandate, that fight is won. But, you know, we'll have to bring it back. I mean, if you'll remember last year, we were the ones that got the the eviction moratorium declared unconstitutional at the district court level. In this vax mandate case, we got the Fifth Circuit panel to agree with us in a published opinion on the Commerce Clause and non-delegation doctrine, constitutional things. So maybe we're just going to have to build a bigger foundation and a stronger foundation with more 
federal appellate court and lower court rulings on these constitutional questions to have the critical mass to get the Supreme Court to weigh in and make the right decision. So, you know, it leaves, uh, you know, winning the battle still leaves the war to be fought, but we'll keep winning these battles as we get and build up to make the case for the court to finally take some of these ultimate questions on. Yeah, that's going to be a big moment, and we'll all be watching. Rob, how do people follow the good work that Texas Public Policy Foundation, and specifically the legal work that you do? Uh, how, how can people stay in touch, get involved, and follow what you do? Certainly, day-to-day updates, of course, my, my Twitter, at uh, Rob Henneke, but uh, check us out at our, our website, texaspolicy.com, and other social media channels, uh, a lot more on the cutting edge of conservative policy making than just our litigation, uh, but a great way to see what is coming up and, and how states can lead in defending liberty and uh, opposing oppressive federal government policies. So learn more at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. You said something that I've had a lot of people say to me in the last three months, that the concept of federalism, which was at the heart of our founding fathers, thought processes that they built this incredible government. Uh, it's really alive and well and flourishing in, in, in an era of big government, isn't it? It's starting to. You're yeah. seeing the migration between uh, high regulation, high tax, high COVID mandate lockdown states. People are leaving those and moving to, to more free states like Florida and Texas. People are voting with their feet. And, uh, you know, as the, the Supreme Court has signaled they're going to let kind of states adopt policies on a state-by-state basis. I think you're going to see the states become more about, you know, what they've been seeing as laboratories of democracy. And you can have a real comparison as to, you know, whether the policies of California work better or worse than the policies of Texas. That's how our system of government was intended and designed. And we need to have more of that and less, uh, you know, federal, national efforts at one-size-fit-all rulemaking. Yeah, well, that is exactly what our founding fathers had intended. Rob, thank you so much. Congratulations on a big win at the biggest court in America. And uh, we'll be sure to get you back on this podcast again as, as this case continues to evolve. John, I look forward to it. Great discussion today. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Alfredo Ortiz, head of the Job Creators Network, one of the plaintiffs in that lawsuit, he's going to join us next. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. 
Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I promised you one of the most important people on the front lines of the Supreme Court. Uh, a historic ruling yesterday, and we have him right now joining me. Uh, right now is Alfredo Ortiz, the president and CEO of Job Creators Network, and the group that drove this lawsuit that made the Supreme Court issue that stay yesterday. In fact, they filed their lawsuit 47 minutes after the appeals court had taken its action late last year. These guys move with speed and alacrity, and we're so lucky to have Alfredo joining us right now on the show. Alfredo, good to have you. Oh, John, thank you. Thank you very much. Always great to be on your show. Well, it's an honor to have you on. Your immediate thought, think about this. You, you just brought a case to the Supreme Court. You won. And all of Main Street America, all those mom and pop businesses that drive the economy now can uh, have a sigh of relief. What was that moment when you heard the news of the Supreme Court? What was that like when you when you got the word? Well, my quick thoughts were Joe Biden lost, but more importantly, America won. It was really, John, a great day uh, for uh, our small business owners. It was a great day for our freedoms and liberties. Uh, and it was a great day for our Constitution, which obviously doesn't seem as though this president <clears throat> remembers the Constitution or what it represents. But, you know, uh, obviously the Supreme uh, Supremes that uh, all uh, saw it in our uh, particular way uh, yeah, uh, obviously no did the right way, did the right thing here for our small business owners in particular. But for really all these businesses, um, <clears throat> this was obviously an illegal uh, mandate. Um, and it was something that we said from day one that OSHA just did not have the authority to execute. Yeah, pretty clear the court feels that way. Now, this is a uh, the winning of a battle, not the war per se, because this has to go back to the Sixth Circuit. But in this ruling, there are very strong sentiments that if Joe Biden decides to go back, litigate this and bring it back to the Supreme Court, they're probably not going to prevail because one of the standards for getting a temporary injunction like you got or stay like you got is that the chances of prevailing by the other side are not that good. What do you think happens? Does Joe Biden fight this and try to go back through this again or does he throw his hands up? Well, John, I have to tell you, I mean, the, the odds of uh, the odds of him actually winning at this point yeah. based on the opinions that I think the that court was pretty clear wrote. I mean, I'm sorry, John. I mean, it's uh, it's probably as high as the odds of me being six foot five in a chiseled body. <laughs> uh, now we got to send a photo out. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying, though, brother. It's a, it, it, it. You're right. The courts, the justices, seem to be really clear about uh, there's no authority in law for OSHA to do this. So I, I guess we'll have to watch that right now. It, this will be a a real signal to America's business community about what Joe Biden thinks of, because the court's guidance is overwhelmingly clear. If you put the businesses right. through this again, you're just going through the motions for something that's inevitable. It'd be very interesting to see. Do you have a prediction? Do you have a gut feeling which way this might go? 
Well, look, what we're hoping is that Biden and his administration, that they do the right thing here by the American public. As you know, one of the worst things that you can do to businesses, I mean, you can raise their taxes, you can increase regulations, but uncertainty in the business world, John, as you know, is death, right? You can't operate in, in a high level of uncertainty because they, will, they would not only have to deal with this, but then they have, they're dealing with the supply chain issues, they're dealing with uh, labor shortage issues, then potential tax increases, you know, regula- regulatory increases, right? That level of uncertainty could, could potentially, you know, have our economy come to a grinding halt, especially with our small business owners. Wow. Um, I mean, people just don't understand the difference, you know, between the small business and the large business community. And it was actually even clear, uh, uh, you know, d- during you know, Friday's uh, oral arguments from the attorneys or even the justices, there was just kind of this lumping together of all these businesses, you know, larger than 100, which, by the way, John, that was one of the things that we took great exception with with the Biden administration on this, the way they portrayed this to the American public yep. as a mandate for our country's largest, largest companies. Yeah. I, I mean, John, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I think Delta, Coca-Cola, Wells right. Fargo, Citibank, right? I don't think of like, you know, Joe and Sue's, uh, you know, manufacturing in Sioux City, Iowa. Right. right? Which might have 112 employees. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And and when we did our polling and we even qualitatively, when we were out on our bus tour going around the country talking to people about this, what was very clear is that those folks, their expectation was they would lose about 20 to 25 people of their workforce would walk off the job and go find another job somewhere else where they weren't forced to take this mandate or excuse me, take this vaccine. And when you are a, let's say, a company that has 100 plus people, let's say, or 150, yeah. and you lose a quarter of your workforce, yeah, you what? can't survive you that. You come to a grinding halt. You can't yeah. survive that. If Citibank, John, loses one to 3% of their workforce, yeah, the operators might be a little, take a little bit longer. You know, maybe, maybe there's a couple of, you know, issues that take a little bit longer, but it doesn't come to a grinding halt. So we need to be very, very clear and, and when laws are passed, we got to make sure that we pressure test these and we look at it from the small business perspective as well. Uh, remember Dodd-Frank, right? Yep. Dodd-Frank was Absolutely. supposed to help all banks. And what happened? Community banks, basically 2,000, 3,000 community banks went under, they went under because they couldn't survive the regulatory of arm of it. Yeah. And the big banks got bigger. Yep. Literally doing the opposite of what the sponsors of the law said they were going to achieve. It's, um, right. They were trying to prevent too big to fail and instead they created bigger to fail. That's right. That's right. It's a remarkable thing. Uh, you had another moment yesterday. It's funny. Uh, you had two. We had two stories on Justin News last yesterday about Job Creators Network. Uh, just one of the many signs of how influential your uh, small business group has become. Uh, the, but just a few hours before the Supreme Court gave this epic ruling, you released the sent uh, the uh, results of a survey that really gave the sentiments of Main Street America about this mandate. What was the headline to those uh, findings in the polling? I mean, our small business owners absolutely do not like the mandate. They don't want the mandate. Over 50% of, uh, of our small business owners polled thought that this would be negatively impacting their businesses, that they would lose employees. I mean, this was clear that they were not happy with, with this mandate, nor were they happy with many of Biden's policies. And frankly, that's translated to decreasing optimism, uh, you know, amongst our small business owners. And John, remember, pre-pandemic levels, two-thirds of new job growth is in the hands of small businesses. And when you take away the certainty, when you take away that optimism from these small business owners, guess what they're gonna do almost immediately? They're gonna stop hiring. And so when you've got record high inflation and you've got you know, basically pessimistic outlook from your small business owner that responsible for two thirds of new job growth, you've got disaster in the horizon. 
Yeah, and these business owners, they, they're looking day to day. They have the greatest sense of the pulse of the economy. I always said this, if you wanna know where the economy is going, don't go to Morgan Stanley, don't go to uh, uh, JP Morgan, or you know, go to Main Street America, talk to the frontline business owners, because Mott and Pa shops, they know where the economy is going before anywhere else. And I think you've seen this, and I, I wanna go to a, something, you deserve a lot of credit, because you're one of the first people I heard say this to me last spring when there were the first signs of inflation. And at that point, the Biden administration's top economic advisor was saying, it's just going to be transitory, going to be a little bit inflated. Right. And you're saying, first off, it's not going to be transitory, but also this is essentially a tax. The government's spending policies have created a tax that takes money out of your wallet and your buying power. Now we're at nine plus percent, uh, almost 10 percent on the uh, consumer price index. Yeah. Right. How is this inflation beginning to ripple throughout the economy? Well, and John, I have to tell you, back in that same time frame, I'm not sure if you remember this, but I called for about nine, nine to ten percent inflation. You did. By the end of the year. You you slam dunk. Uh, you people, can dunk on that one. <laughs> <laughs> people people thought I was absolutely crazy. They thought I was nuts. But when you were looking at the spending, the ridiculous spending that was being put out there, yep. and one thing that I noted was the savings rates. The savings rates were going through the roof amongst the American public. You know, traditionally, it was something like 8 to 9%, John, right, I think, right. is roughly the number. It had climbed to almost 30%, right? And so, you know, people were basically really not worried. They were still spending, right? And people were like, oh, I don't know why you're so concerned about this inflation. I go, I'm concerned because people are spending like drunken sailors, yeah. including yep. our government. Yep. And, you know, and, and I was very concerned about it, seeing the potential for supply chain. I mean, I think if you remember, you know, Jimmy Carter 2.0, in fact, we put out that, that wonderful. You uh, did. You had an ad, ad that morphed Biden into <laughs> Carter. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But that, that's exactly what, what Biden was looking at when uh, looking back at him in the mirror with Jimmy Carter. But, but we are basically at those levels. And I'm very concerned about that. Like I said, with the optimism going down the way it is, people are starting to pull back on their spending. I am concerned that we might be looking at those years of stagflation again. And that is a, that is a major, major concern. Obviously, it's not transitory. Um, if you remember, too, I actually, at that same time frame, called that there were going to be interest rate hikes in 22. Yep. Even though the Fed was saying 23, I said there's no way they're going to be able we're to. We're looking at it maybe in a month, right? March, maybe at the. Uh, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm telling you, we'll probably have at least three, if not four, interest yeah. rates hikes in yep. 22. And that has a huge impact, not just for buying your home, your next car, your student loan. Uh, the government's debt service suddenly goes up enormously when you have a $30 trillion right. debt. Um, the, this, this situation is, 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 is as dire as you warned a year ago. And the reason you know these things is you're on the front lines talking to mom, pa, the Main Street America. And I think that's what makes Job Creators Network such an extraordinary resource for someone like me, a reporter who just wants to get the facts out there. I want to step back. To, and just take a look at this week, just this week for Joe Biden, because I can't think of a president who had a worse week than this week. Uh, loses <laughs> at the court with you, has two devastating economic numbers, 1.9% reduction uh, in retail shopping and 9.7% uh, inflation increase year over year. Uh, he gives a speech in Atlanta that gets widely panned. It's, it's, in fact, it's not even attended by his peeps. People like Stacey Abrams <laughs> skip it. But Incredible. then yep. you got Pelosi and and Durbin and others saying that was a bad speech. It was a bad idea to call out people who, who disagree with him on, on this voting legislation. Uh, and, and, you know, at every point of his presidency, everything that was endemic to him, a good economy, 
the COVID response, which has failed. Uh, he yeah. is he's in a, a hunter down position now. People, he's at thirty three percent approval. Yeah, is this and, president? And don't, don't, don't forget, don't forget, Cinnamon Mansion. Yeah, right. Yep, saying we're we're not going in. Yeah, we're not going to change the filibuster. He can't get his own policies through his own Democratic caucus. He uh, doesn't have the will of the American people anymore at 33%. He's been roundly rejected by the courts. And he's got both, uh, there's five soaring things, right? Inflation, crime, illegal immigration, uh, uh, and uh, COVID are the four, actually I should say four. Those are four huge things that everybody feels every day in their life. They know someone who's sick. They know someone who's struggling to make bills meet. Is this presidency come to a halt? Is there any way for him to rebound and and get back on track? Well, you know, John, I mean, for for the sake of our country, I'd have to say I hope so, right, for the sake of our country, because it pains me to see what's happened in basically one year, right, from where we were with the Trump administration to now. It's just painful to see. Uh, especially with our small business owners, and, and, and especially in some certain areas. I mean, if you look at California, if you look at New York, just disasters happening there. I mean, you know, you've got kind of the, the, the double whammy with just disastrous, right. uh, you know, governors in those states. But overall, for the sake of this country, I hope it does turn around. But, but even, you know, will his presidency be saved? I mean, I'm not quite sure. Um, I can tell you this much, at least my quick, quick uh, prediction for 22 in the fall, come November, um, is that uh, we're, we're, you know, the Republicans are going to flip uh, the House and the Senate. Yeah. Um, I just, I just really fundamentally believe that because things are looking horrible. And if you look at probably one of the worst numbers for a presidency is, do you think things are, are, you know, are, are is this country on the right track? I believe the wrong track number is close to seventy percent. It is. Now. Yep. Just under seventy percent. You're right. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. And you mentioned the uh, approval rating of th- being at thirty three percent. Even worse than that is the approval rating amongst independents. We're at twenty nine percent with independents. And just what a few months ago, it was at fifty nine percent. Yeah. Right. So we're talking to thirty point drop. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often in American history. Not that quick. No, not that quick in a first year of a presidency. I've never. Yeah. I don't think we've ever seen that. And so. Look, I mean, they're disastrous plans, right? The policies are disastrous. You've got uh, a super weak vice president that, that can't get even, you know, a sentence put together uh, artfully. Um, you know, you've got horrible policies being put forth by the transportation secretary, the energy secretary. I mean, you name it. Uh, even on the small business side, I don't know about you, John, but I don't even remember the last time I've seen the administrator for the small business administration anywhere. Yeah. Yep. AWOL. Yeah. I mean, he has an AWOL cabinet. Yeah. Well, they're they're hunkered down. It is really amazing. Just a little bit ago, and I think this sign is summarized not only this week, but the first year of the Biden presidency, you have a brand new billboard, Job Creators Network, brand new billboard (laughs) up in Times Square. Joe Biden looking down to the ground in obviously some angst. And it says, hey, Joe, we told you to let the mandate go. You lost. America won. You need to think twice when declaring war on small business. What motivated that billboard and what message do you hope it sends long term to this administration? Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely true. Like, like we said at the top here is that, you know, America did win. Th- this was an attack on our liberties and our freedoms. It was an attack, especially on our small businesses. You know, we, we, we tried to bring this up with the White House before they, they issued their rule. Yeah. You know, we talked to OSHA officials, but 
I don't think they care. And it, it's pretty uh, uh, representative of the entire administration not caring about small business. So I, I, I'm telling you, I can't think of one policy that's been put forth in this administration that actually has been put out there to help small businesses. Somebody challenged me and said, oh, but they extended the Paycheck Protection Program. Well, yeah, which started under the Trump administration. I don't consider an extension of a good program something that they did. Right. Outside of that, I mean, there really hasn't been anything that's there to help small businesses. And I just fundamentally think because they don't like what small business represent. They represent everything that they detest, right? Freedoms, liberties, you know, the American dream, the pursuit of your own happiness, right? If you work hard, you know, the the sky's unlimited. I mean, they they want you to feel completely indebted, right? That they own you uh, from, from cradle to grave. And so, you know, I, I, I think they're perfectly fine with small businesses going away. It is a remarkable moment to see the disconnect. Now, almost every president has some affinity for Main Street America because they know that's the engine the, of uh, innovation, of, of, of sales, of jobs. There's such a disconnect between Main Street America and what it needs and what this administration is doling out that I don't know if that gap can be closed in the next, the next few months or next year, but uh, it clearly is going to be something or there'll be an enormous reckoning, as you mentioned, at the polls. Yeah, yeah, and John, if I could, if I could Please. just add to this too, and, when you, and you t- if you break down small businesses, who are the biggest in terms of groups, in terms of active groups in the small business arena and the small business space? It's minority population, it right? Is. Blacks, yeah. Hispanics, Asians, right? Yeah, particularly I mean, Hispanics, one of the fastest growing small business segments yeah, of America. Exactly. So the the, the the segments that supposedly the Democrats are most concerned about, they're not they're not even focused on it. Yeah. Um, like I said, I can't even I don't even know if there's even if you googled right now the small business administrator if you get much more news other than the fact that she was nominated and chosen uh b- back in february yeah it's, it's a pretty amazing moment uh to just just ponder that gap i want to finish with one thing because as washington has floundered and fumbled this past year uh, whether they're getting to beat in the courts or beaten in the fight on COVID or whatever uh, there have been this extraordinary rise of attorney generals and governors and states stepping into the void and finding solutions that work that, that Washington either rejected, ignored, or didn't think of. Are you encouraged that everything that is failing in Washington is starting to show some sign of success in the states, that federalism seems to be revived by Washington's failure? Oh, 100%, John. I mean, I think what we need to do more of is remind the American public that th- that the the center of power is not in D.C. Right? The, the founders never saw that to be the they center didn't. of power. It was always Just about the opposite. The states, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it was always about the states, power of the people. Right? This is a government of buying for the people, not of buying for the government. Right. And I think nowhere more in time has it been more evident about what the Democrats believe versus what we believe in in terms of that. Right? Because for them, it's about bigger government, more government. We control your life. Right. And for us, it's about freedoms and liberties. You know, you control your own life, right? We we, we believe that you can do that, right? Um, and I think the governors are great examples when we talk about federalism. And, and the funny thing is, even that word, I think sometimes, you know, 99% of the people probably don't understand don't it. Know, right? yeah. We, no, we talk right. about more government, right? Uh, but but in reality, that is the proof in the, is in the pudding, as they say. And the pudding is all of our governors out there, wonderful governors that through their policies, in their states, they're seeing wonderful numbers. I mean, it is so apparent, uh, you know, record unemployment numbers, the, the job growth, you know, even amongst, the, you know, in this post-pandemic era, they're, they're doing quite wonderfully versus these blue states. 
And so, you know, I am definitely encouraged that the policies that uh, our Republican governors across the country have implemented and, and, and really believe in are just wonderfully representative of what we always talk about and what we know works in this country. I'm so excited to see what happened, for example, in Virginia, uh, because I think that is the best example of where we, if we have the right message about optimism, about opportunity and freedom, right, that that message works. It's a message of, you know, the, the, the people, right, that that's where the power stands. I mean, you know, God bless those parents that stood up, right, and said, we're not going to take this anymore, you know. And so, so what, we need more of that. We need more small business owners, right? We need more parents, um, you know, to, to speak out and defend what we just love about this country. Uh, such an, uh, and I think that moment is here. The Floridas, the Texases, the Arizonas. Uh, uh, I had uh, Jeff Landry in Louisiana on here. These AGs, these governors are, are stepping into a void as Washington proves that big, big government doesn't succeed very often, if at all. Well, one thing that is succeeding is Job Creators Network. And Alfredo, congratulations on all that your group you. is succeeding and the impact it's having. And I can't wait to get you back on the show again for another talk about the economy and Main Street America. Well, thank you very much, John. And thank you always. What a great friendship and uh, really value it. And I hope this is a wonderful year for you. Uh, back at you, my friend, 2022. We got to have an up year this year. <laughs> oh, yeah, we will. We, we will. will. All right. Thanks again, my friend. Well, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All righty. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from yep, Just the News. So grateful that you could join us today. A big thanks to our great guests who really brought us inside the historic ruling of the Supreme Court. And then really an important conversation I think we had both about Bill Gates and vaccines, something that's going to resonate and bounce around in my mind all weekend, and a very important groundbreaking ruling on election integrity in the state of Wisconsin, where a judge has now declared mobile ballot boxes, drop boxes, were not lawfully deployed during the 2022 election and cannot be used in the current law in the 2022 election. Historic big news. You're not going to get this at the New York Times and Washington Post, but you do get it here at Just the News. That's why we created it a year ago, and that's why we hope you enjoy it and become a part of it every day as you do by listening to this podcast. All right, it's time to head into the weekend. For some of us on the East Coast, that means a snowy weekend. 
a windy weekend, a cold weekend. For the others of us who, in other places, it may not have snow, you got some great playoff football starting. That's always my favorite time. I love the playoffs and the football season. My son is a big Green Bay Packers fan. I'm a long-suffering Giants fan, so I have nothing to root for. I'm going to have to support my son, whose team is the number one seed in the NFC. I hope you have a great time. Pull out some cheese and crackers. All right, a couple veggie dips too so that you're eating healthy. Have a great week and enjoy that football. Enjoy that time with your families. Check out justthenews.com anytime you need a news fix. We'll have you covered 24-7. And until Monday, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.